Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones which deliver 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still hear your surroundings for safety, and an open ear design which means you don't get that achy feeling from wearing them for extended periods. I used these on my 100 mile wilderness run, and if you're curious, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance. Pillar, spelled P-I-L-L-A-R, is a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you'd like to try Pillar today and you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, use the same code for the same discount, but a different link. Use pillarperformance.shop. Finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancakes. They've been at the center of so many memorable post-long run breakfasts. They don't just taste great. It's 100% whole grain. There's 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website. Get yourself a few boxes of the mix. In the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get to the show. Tyler Green, it's a pleasure to have you here on the Single Track Podcast. Hey, pleasure to be here. Uh, I love I love listening to single track. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the endorsement, and uh, likewise, it's great to have you here. Always appreciate getting your your insights ahead of races like UTMB, and uh, I think it's a good place to start. But one of the questions that I had lined up for you that I want to cover because I think it's it's applicable. You had this major podium result at Trans Grand Canaria way back in. Uh, in February of this year. And I remember we were chatting about it on a shakeout run before Western. And I want to bring it back up here because I'm wondering maybe more so than Western States where you've had a lot of success is, is that race experience? When you look at that race experience, is that validation that you can compete at the highest level at bigger mountain races like UTMB? Like talk about, talk about the insights from that race and whether it was a confidence builder for uh, what you have on deck here in a few weeks. Yeah, it's funny because after after Western States, you were like, "Well, you proved you proved that um, Trans Grand Canaria wasn't a fluke," which kind of suggested <laughs> that you thought it was. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of wondering as I'm going into this, and you know, time will tell. This race result will probably tell a lot um, if it was actually like the UTMB race that might have been the the real fluke that you know things didn't go right for a number of reasons, which I've been able to kind of track back and, and find a few things that I can definitely improve upon. Um, but that was, I mean, go, looking at, at Trans Grand Canaria as a place where I wanted to rectify some of that bigger mountain running um, and, and do a little bit better at it. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I'm able to bring a little bit more confidence into UTMB. UTMB is a much bigger beast. It's longer in mileage. It's longer and it's it's bigger in its elevation. But uh, it it definitely is um, something that I can, you know, hang my hat on. Uh, yeah, because I because I did okay at TDS um, and definitely not great at, at UTMB. So some improvement to be made there, and that's a part of it. To to do yeah, it, very well. It's fascinating to me. I I guess I I had never 
added up how many times you've done this double before, but you know, last year, fourth at Western, uh, I think top 50 at UTMB. And then in 2021, you did second at Western 10th at TDS. What have you learned in these past three years about the demands of this double and maybe how to make peak performance or close to peak performance possible at both races? Uh, well, I'd say the last two years, 21 and 22, um, were more of a get, get some, it, it, it was finish Western States. Western States is the priority. And then after that, I can start to, um, think about what I want to do at the end of summer. And, you know, in 21, it was like, Oh, let's just do, T let's do TDS. And I was teaching at the time and was able to get the, the first few days of, of school off to be able to do that while I couldn't do UTMB. And then the next year it was, I was actually registered for CCC thinking like, maybe this is a ne next step in development towards UTMB. And then it just, after Western States, I thought, I think I just need to do the real thing and just get around the mountain regardless and use it as learning experience. Yeah. Like the best way to train for UTMB for 2023 is probably to run it in 2022 to get the experience. <laughs> um, so that was my, that was my thinking uh, last year. But that being said, I didn't do any, no workouts at all. Post Western States last year, no workouts in after 2021 of Western States. It was more just like get a bunch of climbing in. And the challenge being that I was, in the Northwest, which is, you know, you can get your, you can get your climbs in, but it's an hour drive one way. It's an hour drive the other way for the most part. So, um, so I wasn't, you know, it, you, that just stunts your recovery a little bit, those types of things. Whereas mm. now, um, you know, shortly after Western States, we, we have been traveling and staying mostly in Chamonix, but a little bit in other places in Europe and, and been able to train. And it's just like out the back door, get your climbing in. So, um, that's where I think that's the big learning the, the thing that I've learned is like, well, if you want to do well at a race, you got to spend some time at it and you got to, you got to kind of have just get more confident on these types of trails. I was going to say, uh, and I actually, I asked the same question to Tom Evans earlier today, have July and August felt more like recovery from Western States and sort of this risk mitigation process to get to UTMB healthy? Or do you feel like having been over there on the ground, in addition to getting in you know, terrain specific work, you could push the envelope in terms of workload and, and workouts and long runs and stuff like that. I think I, I've definitely haven't like hell, like I feel like I recover pretty well from Western States. I mean, the next weekend, like that Saturday or Sunday, we went on a, a big mountain adventure. I mean, it was slow. It was like a 17 mile run, but it had like 8,500 feet and and took like six and a half hours or something like that. It was like off trail sort of thing. And I was like, I could feel the fatigue in my legs still, but you know, then I took an easy, another easier week and then it was kind of time to, to get going. You mentioned being over in Europe, getting there early. I think you arrived in mid July. So maybe it's been over a month now, which, which seems awesome. Are you someone that having had, you know, four or five weeks over there now, do, do you believe that it's sort of a prerequisite for, uh, you know, competitive intent and peak performance at UTMB? Like, do you need to start spending summers over there on repeat in, in the Chamonix area to, uh, to put together a similar result like you did at Western States or that you have at Western States consecutively over the years? 
I don't think there's a one size fits all approach to how to train and, and race for this thing. I think that we like my wife and I had the opportunity to to do something like this. And next year, um, like in June, we'll be going off to probably living somewhere else. And um, my wife's starting residency uh, somewhere in, somewhere in the United States. Um, so this was an opportunity for us that we talked about for a while and, and finally decided to take. Um, so I think that it's, it's certainly helpful. Um, like I was just watching some YouTube UTMB videos and I was like, oh, I know that section now. Oh, I know that section now. And I don't think having run it once I would have real, I would have noticed all of that, but having been there like a second time and been able to kind of like soak in the views and, and see all the different, both both the course and trails around here. And now I'm starting to really understand this place. And the other stuff is just like, we are cooking our own meals as opposed to like getting here and kind of scrambling to get everything ready and just eating out. Like, so we're, you know, eating things that are a little bit more familiar to us. Um, taking our extra naps, like just settling into the space is, is really important. And um, I think it's possible, like people certainly do it in, a two week turnaround where they live somewhere else and, and come here and, and go and race well. Um, but I want to get, I definitely want to give myself the best shot. And I think that that comes down to being here. Yeah. One more question. Do you, when you think about training for the demands of these races, like Western States, UTMB, which, which training do you prefer more? Like, do you enjoy the buildup for a race like Western States more? Or do you enjoy the buildup for a race like UTMB more? Talk about that. I love, I've done the same thing like three years now. And I, re, what I really enjoy is like the process of like in what March, April, I start like getting it like before that, it's just like a nice, you know, foundational. I'm doing other running and I'm like doing other like spring races or whatever. And then that like 10 to 12 weeks out from Western States, it really starts to ratchet down and, and you start to focus on your Western States training. And that includes a lot of like threshold runs down along the river in Portland. Um, and then that, like I have, I coach track as well during that time. And when track, when the track season's finished, all of a sudden my afternoons are open. It's like, Oh, I have all this extra time. And then I get my, my training really gets going. And each of those steps I really enjoy, like, and then, you know, shortly after that, I'm getting into the sauna and pulling back on my training. Like each, I've, I've, now that I've gone through it all, I just like that kind of rhythm to the year. Um, and then like, I always have handhelds when I'm, um, I always carry handhelds when I'm training for Western States. Cause I know that that's how I'm yeah. going to race. And I'm always like, Oh, I can't wait to get those poles out though. I can't wait to get those poles out. And the second that <laughs> Western States is done, the lakey poles come out. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've immediately started doing some adventure runs. Um, so, so liking one or the other, I just like, like that. I like the steps going, leading all the way up. And I mean, I do really, really love being in the mountains and I think I'd prefer the scenery and just the, the challenge of being in the mountains, number one. Um, but I do like that just kind of step-by-step -step process of getting fast and then shifting into mountain stuff. Thanks to Brooks for their support of our UTMB coverage. I used their Cascadia HU way back in 2014 when I was introduced to trails via my thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail. So 
this is pretty cool. I've been wearing lately their new High Point collection in the field, particularly their waterproof rain jacket and pants, as well as the new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe. The style and the performance across the board are all on point. I even wear that waterproof rain jacket sometimes during these interviews. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash single track. Also, thanks to Morton. 80% of my run of the 100-mile wilderness earlier this month was supplied by Morton. I used 25 of their hydrogels, 10 of their 225C bars. They all went down easy. There was no palate fatigue, and they made me feel good because it's all natural ingredients. These are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet. So head over to Morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some for yourself. And finally, thank you to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, they're stylish, and they're trusted by, again, many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that, let's get back to the show. When you were talking about the handhelds there, it reminded me in one of your recent Instagram posts, you used the phrase equipment management when you were just providing an update on your training out there in in Chamonix, which I think is a really interesting thing to think about. And I think as, you know, performances have improved in the sport, some of it, maybe a lot of it with certain athletes can be attributed to efficiency with your pack, efficiency at aid stations, stuff like that. Obviously you're somebody that's dialed or appeared to have dialed this process at Western States. How has this been a factor in your training at UT, for UTMB? It's just like n- knowing where things are in my pack. Like it, it's been really nice weather here, fairly warm. So, um, but but earlier it was it was raining, and I was able to kind of work on like, can I run and take out my rain jacket while I'm running and not not lose a step? Can I put stuff it back in? Like practicing all of those things, the storage of poles and and taking out of poles, which um, like getting a quiver is has been a helpful thing. All of that stuff is it's, it's just way more automatic. And last year, I honestly, I was planning on using a bladder like up until probably a week before the race and hadn't really used the, the bottles up front. Um, and making that switch has been, has been really helpful and to get comfortable with that stuff. I just wasn't quite comfortable with it, which is, you know, something that everybody uses the bottles in the front, I think, but it took me a while to figure it out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those are, those are a few little pieces of it. Um, like I think of it as like, when you think about some of the people who've won this race, uh, Xavier or Francois or Killian, like these are people that came from the mountains, they're mountain athletes kind of, that's where they, that's where they started. And then they got into the trail running. And then there are other people who are kind of coming from the roads or, you know, like call collegiate running or whatever. Um, And those, I think those mountain athletes, like they're really good at knowing exactly what layers they need and where's their equipment and taking the time to say like, Hey, it's actually okay to take a second and get the layer on or off that I need to be more comfortable because in the long run, that's going to make me a, a, that's going to keep me running stronger. So I feel like I'm learning from watching people like that. Um, I have a decent amount of you know, backpacking and mountain experience, but certainly not as much as a lot of these people that grew up in the Alps. Um, so it's, it's still a learning process, but I feel like I'm getting it. I remember, 
and I'm probably going to paraphrase here, but before Western states, you said something along the lines of, I, I want to, I think I want to take a few more risks at this year's race. I maybe want to burn a few more matches. I want to venture a bit more into the unknown. And it did seem like you did that. And it obviously paid off in a huge way. Um, is that, do you have a similar intention going into this race or is, are you going to take a more conservative approach and hope that the race kind of comes to you as it may later on? How are you thinking about that? I don't think it's going to be like, I'm going to go out in the top 10 or anything like that. But I think like I was looking at my, my numbers last year and I think I was in 90th at the top of the first climb or 90th in Lesouche. And I don't think I can let that happen again. I think I need to be kind of engaged a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. How about in terms of, uh, I think another thing that I'm curious about is just where you see your competitive advantages on this course. They could be physical. They could be mental. It could be climbing, descending. Like where do you, when you think about the race evolving, where do you think your competitive advantages are going to be on display? Where are you drawing confidence from? Um, yeah. I think it'll be in like Grand Colferay to the finish is where I want to be moving up. Um, I think that I do a pretty good job of managing my nutrition and managing my effort levels so that I can stay pretty even throughout a race. And I think that that shows in live feeds that, you know, it's, I'm not someone who's like sitting down and taking 10 minutes at an aid station. I'm able to get in and get out and, and get what I need and keep moving um, and just keep steady. And I think being steady doesn't look sexy before Cormier, it doesn't look sexy before Champagne Lock. Um, but then it starts to look really good. <laughs> Last question. Um, I think it just comes down to goal setting for this race. When you think about your intentions at UTMB, is a successful day, does it revolve around process? Does it revolve around fun? Is it a competitive result? Uh, how are you thinking about that? Like, what are, your, what are your goals for this race? Like, what are your primary goals, I should say? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes down to top 10, which I feel like used to be top five. And now like the old top 10 is like the top 20. So, you know, it's definitely like a, it's a, a big task ahead. Um, and in the same, and in the same light, I, I do just want to, like, I know that the way, the, the way that I get into the top 10 is by running the very best that I can being the best that I can from start to finish in running my own race. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, like my big goal kind of going, going into this season was, and I talked to the coach about this and I was like, you know what? I do want to do Western States and I just haven't, we haven't seen too many people do the Western States. We haven't seen for a while, like actually men, yeah. um, we haven't seen men do well in the Western States UTMB double. And this year we have like everyone, <laughs> everyone from the top 10 of Western States is do is, is doing UTMB. So are almost, so I think we're going to see someone, someone knock it out of the park. Um, but that's something that I would, I'd really like to, to do is like top 10, both races. That was what I said going into the race or going into the season. And that's what I want to accomplish. Are you self-coached right now? Or do you, do you have a coach? No, I'm coached by Matt Lay. Um, he's Matt located Lay. Okay, in cool. Boise, old old okay. Bay area guy. I got to ask one more question. I, I know I said last question, but one more yeah, question for you before we wrap up. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of veterans of the sport note that 
they they sort of have premonitions before the race, or they have a pretty solid sense of whether or not they the, the body and the the mind and the spirit will be there to go to the well and not necessarily put together a great result, but to the body to kind of obey the legs to obey stuff like that on race day. Like Dylan Bowman has talked about, you know, twenty twenty one Hard Rock. He he kind of had that premonition ahead of time, whereas there was more fear, uncertainty, doubt heading into this past year's race. Do you follow a similar thought process when it comes to a race like UTMB? Like, do you have a sense of generally how things are going to go or do, does everything kind of unravel or appear on race day for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, going to Western States races, like, I think there was definitely like in 2021, there was this feeling of like, originally I just thought like, I want to get in the top 10, top 10 is a big deal. Like I was 14th last year, that would be a great step forward. And I ended up second and early, like in that two or three weeks leading up to it, I started thinking like, well, I think I might be able to get in the top five. And if I can get in the top five, I can get in the top three. And if I'm in the top three, why can't I, I win this thing? And, uh, and you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I came in close. I mean, second place kind of looks close, but an hour behind or hour or whatever behind Jim is a different deal. Um, and a similar feeling with, with Western States uh, going into it. And so, all of that to say like leading up, like I'm what we're 10 days, 12 days out or whatever. Um, I feel good. I feel like, like I don't need to just like hold myself to like, well, top 10 would just be great. Like maybe top 10, not maybe top five is possible too. Um, I want to, I want to say that that's, that's possible for me. Um, if I, if I run the best race that I'm capable of. So, um, so it's there that, that feeling of I can do this. Love it. Well, Tyler, it's always a pleasure to chat. Thank you so much for your time. We'll make sure to link to all of your social media and coaching in the show notes. Um, anything you want to leave the audience with? Any any final thoughts before we go? Um, hey, got a got a new mustache. So new facial hair. <laughs> so that's a just pointing that Huge. out. It's like you know, it's time to it's time to have some fun. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, for those that don't watch on YouTube, oh, Tyler yeah. has one of the best one of the best be- one of the best beards in the ultra running game. This is a new look; it looks great, and uh, I should I should have called it out. Sorry, love it. Well, anyways, thank you so much, Tyler. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Ben.